Hey, welcome to the Healthy Steps with Nicole podcast, where it is my goal to help you see what is possible for your business, for your life, and for the sales that are going to get you there. Get ready to be inspired and supported while you launch and grow your health and wellness business. I'm Nicole Kramer, coach, sales expert, and health and wellness fanatic. Each week, I will be having amazing guest experts that will share with us their knowledge on mindset, money, how to attract your dream clients, successfully close sales, and so much more. Selling doesn't have to be hard. You can have the confidence and the clarity you need to create and grow your dream business. Hey, it's Nick. I'm so glad you're here listening to the show because number one, I really appreciate the support. Number two, it tells me you are a committed business owner who's really ready to grow and up-level and is ready to make the world a healthier place with the gifts and the talents that you share. I have an opportunity for you to step into your next level and to sell and serve in a bigger way than you ever have. I have limited spots available for my next level group coaching program, and I want you to grab one of them if you are really ready to go big. We start at the beginning of January 2022. If you get in now, you have some amazing bonuses that we'll be doing in December, and I want to chat with you to see if this program would be right for you. So click on the show notes link that has the opportunity to book a call with me, and let's get on the phone and find out, is this the right fit for you? If it's not, no big deal, but let's find out because I want to help you make this world a healthier place and do it in a bigger way than you ever have. Can't wait to chat with you soon. And hello, I am so excited to bring this episode to you and ultimately share with you an amazing human being that I have loved for a couple of years now. And I'm so excited to share her with you because you are about to have an experience in getting to know Michelle that is going to help you so, so much. Um, She's here to share a bunch of stuff, stories, value, and help you understand the areas of your business where you can increase and improve your sales because of some of the things that maybe you wouldn't have thought about that she's going to share with you tonight. So let me just introduce you to Michelle. Michelle and I have known each other now for a couple of years, traveled all over the world together. We've been in a couple of cool, different, very cool places together. Before the pandemic. Yes, right? (laughs) And... I've just always loved watching you and seeing who you are and how you inspire me and how you inspire others. And to have you here tonight is so awesome. And uh, we know each other through Gina. Um, We've both worked with with Gina DeVee. And just, again, a, a little side note here. What a cool way to be an entrepreneur is to be in community, to be around other women that are high vibe, that are doing similar things. And I just look at all the blessings that my life has brought me by stepping into community because it's brought me people like you. Oh, thank you so much for that introduction. I'm equally as inspired by you, Nicole. And I think it's pretty amazing how we did get to travel the world and especially learning from older traditions of various female leader archetypes from around the world and how did they lead and how did they serve? And then how do we integrate that into this modern world that we're in now? And so I really, that was such a beautiful program that we both got to meet at and then become so close with each other over the course of a whole year, right? It wasn't just a weekend fly by night uh, workshop. We went really deep personally and professionally. So I'm very grateful to be here and look forward to meeting your guests. Yeah, well, they are in for a treat. Like I said, you are, let let me just, I just need to read this because you're just such an amazing person and I want to make sure I get it all in here. Michelle is obsessed with helping professionals have plenty of time to do the things that matter most. Outsourcing is her superhero. 
Delegation is her superpower and regular sabbaticals are a non-negotiable. Michelle has worked in fast-paced work environments for 25 plus years from her own businesses to IBM and Google. She is masterful at navigating the waters of work-life integration and is so excited to share with you some of her unorthodox ways and best practices on how strategic outsourcing could accelerate the growth of your business. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you. It's so nice to meet everyone I know in this virtual virtual environment. <laughs> Um, I thought it might be worthwhile, Nicole, to maybe start and a good way to serve your guests the most is to talk about the evolution of how I've used strategic outsourcing from the very beginning seedlings of my business all the way through to the more mature stage that I'm at now. And it's still always evolving, of course, and, um, and definitely talking about all the elements like mindset, strategy, tools, budgeting and then the real world examples. But I wanted to kind of start with taking a moment around some wealth consciousness. And because I've noticed that um, what I really appreciate about your podcasts and your lives is that um, you always weave that in. And I think it's a very important topic and to really be conscious around, around wealth and, and what our true worth is. And that's such a significant part of outsourcing. So, um, so I'd love for your guests to do a quick exercise and this is just something privately, like they can just do on their own as we're, as we're talking here. So we'll maybe I'll walk you through it and then we'll give them a few moments to just grab a piece of paper and, and do some scratch notes and I'll, and I'll give an example as we're doing it. So this is really powerful. So everybody get ready to write that you're going to love it. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So take your annual income and divide it by 12 months. Okay. And I'll use an example. So let's say it's 120,000, but I want you to do this real time for yourself. And then take that number, which for $120,000 income a year, that would be $10,000 and divide it by 30 days in a month. Let's say that's the average days in a month. Mm -hmm. Okay. In this example, that would be 333, which, which is a sacred number. So that worked out. <laughs> now take that number and divide it by eight hours in a day. So in my example here at 120K income a year, that comes to $41 an hour. So see what that comes out for for you. So this is like the golden rule of outsourcing is that you should not ever do anything that you could outsource to someone else for less than, in this case, $41 per hour. So whatever yours came to, whatever your hourly worth is, that if you can outsource to someone else for less than that, then that's a great golden rule to go by. Now, you could hire a couple examples. You could hire a virtual assistant, let's say for $30 an hour. Then you should be outsourcing as much to her as possible. Otherwise, you're missing out on your earnings potential that is higher at the $41 an hour, mm -hmm. right? So that's on the professional side. If you look at a personal example, think about hiring a house cleaner for, for $25 an hour, depending on where you live. You should really be outsourcing that instead of doing it yourself. Now, there's an exception to this rule. There's always exceptions. If it's something that you absolutely love to do, then by all means, please do it. And this is 
you can make up some of your own rules here. I'm giving you some guidance. But if it's something you absolutely love, do it. But otherwise, if it really has to be something you love, if you really want to scale your business, and I know that's what the core essence of this conversation is, is really about, is how do you accelerate the scaling of your business? Well, and I think what is, if I could just say this real quick here, because I'm sure you'll address it. I think what people also need to get really clear on is, do you really love it? Or are you still obligating yourself to doing it and telling yourself you love it? I noticed that a lot with my clients. They're like, oh, but I really like uh, the other day, somebody was like, oh, but I want to edit my own podcast. I want to make sure that it's as good as it can possibly be. And I was like, nobody's getting helped and nobody's getting coached. If you're spending time editing, you didn't become a coach. So you could edit if you really love it by all means, just like you said, go for it. But we need to be very clear with ourselves and honest with ourselves. Do we really love it? Yeah. And I'm a big believer in testing. So I think in the beginning, if we're usually when we start a business, we are the jack of all trades, right? We're the CFO, the CEO, we're the visionary, we're the sales, we're the accountant, the bookkeeper. We are a lot of those things until we figure out some of these systems and automation. And I do think that there is value in that at at some stages, because early on, at least if you're familiar with that, and then you start to outsource, like I'm a believer in outsource as fast, as quickly as possible, as much as possible. But at the same time, to your point, if you do then have some experience with some of the skill sets that are required for some of those elements, Mm -hmm. then I think you, you have a better lens of how to tee up that outsourcing, how to find the right resource alignment. And so there is some value in that too. Yeah. Well, and I think from a wealth consciousness perspective, you're more grateful when you pay that person because you have a connection to what that work is. You also understand very clearly you don't want to do it or don't enjoy doing it. And so you're very happy to pay somebody. And to me, that makes a big difference with your energy and intention when you are paying somebody or putting money in a certain place. It's like, what is your energy behind that? And when you have a very clear understanding, I did this for a while in my own business and I don't want to do it anymore. That's why I'm paying this person. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's an evolution, right? It will change over time. And that's, that's fine too. And I'll talk a little bit about mindset. I think that will answer, that'll give a little bit more insight, a little deeper into what you're suggesting as well. Awesome. Yeah. So, so from there, I guess from, you know, before getting into some of the stories, I thought just some quick ways that you can outsource that maybe, maybe your guests have not thought of, but could save a ton of time so that your guests also get some value right away in this discussion, <laughs> because there's like the stories can the journeys are, are longer, right? So I'm just going to list a few things really quickly that maybe seem a little bit unorthodox, or maybe some people have thought of, but I believe when I get feedback, some people, there's aha moments, and it may spark other ideas of how you can outsource too. So I think when I first found out that I could outsource traffic school, <laughs> I was totally hooked on outsourcing. Because <laughs> it doesn't need to be you, right? It doesn't. It's it's an online. So if you do the online program, which I haven't done it in, in quite a while, but years ago when I had to do traffic school, unfortunately. So unfortunately, hopefully people don't have to do it, but I imagine pretty much everyone has gone through traffic school at one point in time. Yeah. (laughs) But imagine what else you could do with those eight hours. If you could outsource that, Mm -hmm. that to me is a perfect 
exercise or a perfect um, engagement for uh, a VA to to do for you. And, you know, my personal assistant has done that a couple of times for me and she loves it. She's like, oh, this is easy. And she does it. And and it saves me an entire day. So um, that was what kind of one of the first like fun things that I did around outsourcing. I, I read the book Four Hour Workweek mm-hmm. by and this was probably 11 years ago. Yeah. By Tim Ferriss. And I believe he's updated the book probably a couple of times since that time, but I would highly recommend it's probably still very valid, but it just got me thinking about this whole world. And I was so inspired by the book and the examples and the stories. And that really kickstarted this, this whole world. Yeah. I love it. And well, and like you said earlier, I'd like the examples you're giving now may not be the exact one somebody's going to use, but it's going to spark their imagination and their understanding of, oh, where can I apply something like that? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So another quick one is call centers. So I have another golden rule that I never wait on hold. And there's so many examples around this, but if we just take utility providers. If I have to call any of my utility providers my assistant makes those calls for me. Now, keep in mind, my assistant is female. So she acts on my behalf a lot of times. So keep that in mind. If it's male and female, different voices, um, you just have to you just consider that, right? But consider the time. Like there's been, there's been moments where I've had to change flights. And for example, we were in Poland last year during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And we got, I think we had, four or five canceled flights. And she ended up waiting on hold for like four or five hours to figure out how to adjust flights and do other things. And at the time, I was going through fertility treatments. So it wasn't, it was very important for me not to be spending my time on five hours waiting on a call center. So if you think about it from the business perspective, it's this is really important for you to be spending your time on what's what's your core competency and what are the most strategic things that you should be spending on in your business. And I mean, the call center thing, I can probably think of a million examples. I don't know if one comes to mind for you in your life. I definitely the airlines, because I've recently realized a lot's changed after the pandemic or not that we're through it, but like a lot changed for the airline industry during the pandemic. And they are they have zero fear of canceling flights and not really doing much about it anymore. Cause I've, I've experienced that over the last couple of weeks, you book a flight and then they cancel it. And there's no, there's nobody there to answer the call unless you wait on hold yeah. for an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. And there's a lot of, like you said, there's a, it's not just a call center. There's a lot of different opportunities where we do spend hours of our life without realizing it, waiting, waiting. I'll just stop there. Yes, absolutely. Wait. Yeah. Great example. <laughs> yep. Um, another one that this is actually one of my friend's favorite stories. <laughs> and so I want to honor that you have health coaches, right? And I know that your the breadth and depth of your the health coaching that your team and your clients um, go through is much more comprehensive than what I'm going to share here. But this was something around fitness training. So I had had a, a very experienced fitness trainer for, I would go off and on, right? I would go in these peaks and valleys where I would hire one for a while and then and then I would stop and then I would hire one and it wasn't because I didn't know how to do those specific moves or um, the exercises. It was that it was accountability. I just, I thrive on accountability. That's how I am successful. <laughs> 
And so instead of hiring an actual fitness trainer after a while, what I thought of was instead of hiring one for $100 an hour, I hired one for $12 an hour off of TaskRabbit. I don't know if there's a TaskRabbit in LA. I'm pretty sure there is. Okay. So this was at the time when it was pretty early. I was one of their first clients, TaskRabbit. And so great errand running service and they do all, they have amazing, amazing resources who are stellar at a whole bunch of different um, professions. And so anyway, at that time, I hired a fitness trainer to come in and she wasn't an authorized right fitness trainer, but really it was more about the accountability. So she would come to my home in the morning. My husband laughed at this, but she would make my morning smoothie and she would set out my vitamins and she would record my at home workouts. So I would do P90X and Beachbody, those sorts of workouts. Mm-hmm. And she was like my my workout buddy in a way, my accountability person. Yeah. And we ended up becoming so close that she shared with me all these other freelance, this other freelance work that she did. And she built websites. And then she ended up building three of my websites. And we became really close friends and close business partners just by having that experience. And I don't think we normally would think of outsourcing maybe in that way. So again, it might, that might not be for everyone. Right. But just to spark. I love this. So did she have a key to your house and she just let herself in and got everything ready for you in the morning? I mean, I know that's like nitty gritty logistics, but I'm like, what this, this is so cool. I mean, she could have in, in this case, she just ring, she just rang the doorbell and I was up and, and we were ready to rock together. And I would be doing other things. I would kind of be getting some work stuff ready, but then I would do the workout while she was getting, you know, all the other healthy food stuff ready. And then we would meet back up and she went the extra mile by actually looking around. We were in San Francisco at the time and she would look around for where the free classes were every day. San Francisco would have a free class. So it might be like a Zumba class at REI. like really random, random things like that. So we made it really fun. We, we got some of my friends involved then, and we would all not just do it at my home, but we would go outdoors. But I think the big thing was, is that she, she had other businesses and other things she was doing and it became a great relationship where she was helping me. And, and then I was really helping her. It was a great win-win. Right. Oh, I love that. That's so cool that it came out of that too, because that's what I think is really neat about whether it's community or outsourcing, you're networking and you're meeting people that who knows who they might know and where that could lead for you and for them. Yeah. And then I guess on those are kind of personal ideas, but think about personal and professional is very integrated because if you can save time on your personal side, that's going to free up your time to focus on your business. So from a business perspective, this was one of the first things that I had my assistant do. San Francisco at the time, uh, Business Journal, I believe they would host these events that were called the most admired CEO awards or the most innovative CIO awards. And they had many, many others like that. And so as a uh, salesperson in IT, that was a great place for me to do business development. Mm -hmm. So um, she actually came up with this idea to research the email addresses for all of the nominees for those awards ahead of the award ceremony. And I created a boilerplate of an introduction email that she would pre-send to them before the event. 
And she would say, uh, you know, beautiful congratulations on your award and reference the actual reason why they had won the award, what that innovative project was. Mm -hmm. And she would make a request to potentially meet, like hopefully we can meet in person at the event. So, you know, networking events can be, they're fantastic, but they can be a little intimidating. But if you put some of the little bit more intention into them, they can be much more fruitful. And the response was really beautiful. I don't know that that was a common thing that maybe, but that people would do. And several would say, oh my gosh, thank you so much for the email and for the congratulations. And, and I remember there was a CIO that I met from Clorox at the time who uh, ended up coming to a couple of events from my company with his family. I think it was America's Cup event. And I met him there. He had won this big innovative award for best CIO and became a close friend and ended up closing a really significant deal with him. Because you thought I had so, to do the legwork, do the research or have your, excuse me, have your assistant do it. Assistant. So you were prepared. Cause like you said, I love networking events, but I think you have to be very intentional about them to truly reap the benefits. Otherwise, if you go in without a real plan, you're kind of like, you know, leaving it up to, to chance. So I think that's beautiful yeah. how you did that. Yeah. And I was very genuine about learning about the the like most admired CEO. Like, why are they the most admired? That's a very, a very specific phrase, right? And and so it was really interesting to just be a part of those award ceremonies to learn about what made them different and stood out. And so that also can be a benefit for yourself as you're building the, your businesses and looking for those, you know, that unique secret sauce that they had. So right. Multiple, yeah. multiple benefits. Yeah. Um, so from a business perspective, my assistant handles so many different things. And I'm sure for a lot of your clients and uh, guests on the podcast that they have used assistance for various, various things. I think it's great to start small and to start with project based first, potentially, unless you feel really comfortable with going with going with hiring a full blown assistant. But they can do so many things. I mean, we use Asana as a task tracking system, which is a pretty popular one in the industry. Mm -hmm. She handles all of my customer relationship management, like going into my CRM system and tracking, you know, my deal journeys from end to end. And if I am attending a meeting, I send the notes to her right away and she uploads it to the system so I don't have to do it. Mm -hmm. I haven't touched corporate expenses in many, many years. <laughs> and I don't know about you guys, if, if anyone's been in corporate before, so I'm in corporate and I have a business. So I have the merging of the two mm -hmm. and, um, and have the dance between the two in my career. But corporate expenses, you could spend an entire weekend trying to catch up on what had built up and collected. And I would see my peers do the same. And when I figured out I could outsource that, it just saved, I mean, it saved so much time. Well, because it doesn't um, need to be you doing that. It's literally yeah. an task. And yes. you know, after talking with everything, where where's your time and energy best invested? Yeah. And somebody else yeah. is doing that for you while you're doing something that makes more sense for where you need to be in your business. Yeah. And what's cool is that as you start to do these, you get to know your assistant and you're doing these projects and they're getting to know what your mission is and your core values and what you stand for, who your clients are. 
my assistant knows me better than myself. <laughs> she knows me better than me. Yeah. Um, and that takes time and that takes investment. And I think it's it's so important to, one, they will start to learn that over time. I think where a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck is that the upfront investment in onboarding an assistant can feel very overwhelming. But I promise you, I promise you that the piece at the other end of the side like is so profound mm -hmm. that your life will be changed. Like my assistant is biggest angel in my life. And so I just would encourage and invite that even when that first, you know, those first few times is a little, it's a little tough to get that onboarding going, yeah. but it's because they just need to learn about your systems and the way that you work, your workflow and right. all that good stuff. Well, and I think being in reality is only fair to them. And when I say being in reality, you're not going to hire them. And then the next day you've got everything handled in your business and it's all organized and, and you're acclimated to each other. It's going to feel wonky, I think, at first. And, and from my experience, each time I've had a new hire, there is that getting to know each other period. And so to your point, step into it. I think project-based makes a lot of sense. And that's what I always yeah. recommend my clients do. Start with some projects or maybe start with one or two hours a week and do it small. And as you get to know each other, more will be revealed with how you can work efficiently together and how they can support you in ways that maybe you wouldn't have thought of. And that'll come through the relationship that you're building. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's important also to really understand what's important to them mm -hmm. and what is going on in their life that like my assistant has four children. And so we have an arrangement where if she needs to take her daughter to ballet class or to her son to volleyball, or I mean, all her kids are in different various sports and activities. And, you know, she's a very, I mean, she's like a miracle woman. I don't know how she does it all. <laughs> but we have this agreement that her schedule is her schedule as well. And so if two o'clock in the afternoon or three o'clock in the afternoon, she has to go and do something to take care of her family, then that that works for us. We're very flexible that way. So I think it's very important to listen to what their needs are. And then you both get to know each other really well and you find a good workflow yeah. between each other. Yeah, I think that's great. That's yeah. being a great leader, helping them be who they need to be in their life while they're supporting yeah. you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Love so I guess maybe mindset perspective, um, there's tools and things too, but maybe from a mindset perspective, there, there's a couple simple things that you could do. So I won't have you do this on the call this time, but maybe just on your own time to think about doing this exercise because it's incredibly helpful is doing a self audit. And it's almost like an inventory analysis of your daily activities and your workflow. And so you think about like when you wake up in the morning, like literally record all of the things that you're doing. Like if I could outsource brushing my teeth, <laughs> I would do that. But that's me. I'm different that way. <laughs> so look for look for themes and look for patterns that happen through your day. And um, go through all of your calendar entries. You could even look at the, your past year and look at the calendar entries and what were, you know, which 
could you consolidate all of your calls to three days of the week versus having them spread out over five days of the week? That's just a simple one-on-one thing that you can do that really frees up a lot of time. But really going through this deep audit and analysis and then journaling even your emails, like look at the subject lines of your emails and the common subjects and review your task list. Like I, I still love post-it notes, even though I have all of these technology systems. Mm-hmm. I have post-it notes and text systems, but I, I get in the, up in the morning and I look at my to-do list every day and I ask myself, what can I outsource from this list today? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. And so what could you outsource? So, so take a look at your, your to-do list in the morning And really be mindful and ask yourself, like, what could I outsource Mm -hmm. from this list? And and then it becomes a habit. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's your first thought is, let me just get this done. It's who could I outsource it to? I I have that. And you probably know this. I'm sure I've shared it with you before because I learned it from Gina. I have a post-it note that I'm looking at right now on my computer and it just says, who else can do this? And every time I find myself doing something like that's my reminder somebody else could be doing this for me. Oh, I love I, that. Right. It's just, I need that constant, like, oh, here I am getting carried away again, doing something that I don't have to be the one doing. And it's better yeah. for the health of my business if I'm not. Yes. I love that so much. There's a really cool book that you, you sparked my memory on. I think it's called Eat the Frog by yeah. Brian Tracy. Yes. And so it literally means doing like the biggest frog, which means your most difficult task of the day first. Mm -hmm. And you could even put a post-it note, like eat the frog or turn. I actually changed it. and I said, turn the frog into a prince. (laughs) He doesn't have that in the book, but (laughs) yeah, Yeah. it's your own own interpretation of it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So it really, I was shocked when I actually put that into practice and would do some of the more significant projects or tasks as early in the day as possible, mm-hmm. how much freer the rest of the day felt to get more done. Yeah. So even yeah. from a personal perspective, I shifted things where I, and I know a lot of people do this and I, I knew it was available for me. I just hadn't done it. I like my mornings, but I was like, you know what, if I shift it and I do my workout in the morning and I knock that out, the rest of my day feels so much different. And that is my biggest frog in many ways, you know, cause I know it's like, if you have two frogs to eat, which one do you eat first? The bigger one. So let me eat the bigger one, which is if I nail my workout at the beginning of the day, when I am done for the day, it's such a different energy, such a different feel. Yeah. Not that's hanging yeah. over my head the whole time. I totally agree. That's, well, that's one of mine too. My biggest yeah. frog too. <laughs> Getting the workout done. Yeah, there's that other book, Spark, right? And I mean, it's literally biological that when we work out first thing in the morning, it's it's a ripple effect of positivity for the rest of the day. You're more productive, more creative, all those great things. Yep. You get things moving and grooving. That's how you want to start. Yeah. Yes. So I think as far as I'd love to share a couple stories. They're personal stories, but I'll relate them back to how it could spark some interest and inspire your folks to to think about how they can use outsourcing and early in their business but in a this so the my first story is is actually in a pretty big way and the reason i wanted to share this one is it can be scary and it can be it feel risky and the budget thing can come up and when looking at outsourcing and hiring resources 
I just, I really emphasize the sooner that you can do it in your business, the, the better and more scalable it will be. Hey, I'm interrupting you real quick because I know you're enjoying this podcast and I know you're listening to this podcast because you care about your business. You care about the people you work with and you want to help people. As a matter of fact, you want to help more people. But I bet you often ask yourself, where am I going to find clients? And I've got your answer. I have a free training video for you. It is called 33 Places to Find Clients, and it comes with a workbook where you can take notes on all the 33 places that I give you. So I want you to get this downloaded. It's free. Get it today because ultimately it's going to help you understand where to go every day to interact with people so that you can start to get more clients and help more people, which is the goal of all of this. So go to healthystepswithnicole.com backslash 33 places, download it watch it. I can't wait to hear from you and hear what you think about it because this is going to be a game changer for you to know every day where you need to go and what you need to do to find more people to become your clients. Okay, now back to the show. But I took a big risk and one of my first businesses was a concierge company. Mm -hmm. And I was approached by AARP, if you're familiar with mm-hmm. that organization. Yep. So they have lots of member benefits for retired professionals. And they were the biggest organization in the world. They are. Uh, They were at the time. This was like 2007 that I started working with them. And they were the largest association in the world. They had 40 million members, but there were 90 million baby boomers. So there were still 50 million more of these baby boomers that were over the age of 50 that were not members. So they were trying to figure out a plan to attract those members. So there was like loyalty built in, like attraction and retention, right? Were the two biggest things, but mostly attraction because think of the numbers, right? It's, I don't know what it is now, but at the time it was like $16 a year for an annual membership. And so I think, what is that? 750 million in annual revenues, somewhere around that for the additional additional 50 million. So yeah, they want to capture that. They're like, how do, how do we attract that? How do we attract that? And most of the member programs they had already had in place were things like Expedia and Travelocity. They had some pet programs, roadside assistance, um, but nothing was that aspirational. And that like the, they wanted to insert the cool factor because, you know, when you receive that application in the mail, when you turn 50, most people, when they turn 50, they're like, oh, no, <laughs> right. I'm not. I'm not that old yet. <laughs> you want to be in, not the, oh, it means I'm old. It means I'm of a certain age. That's what this letter means. <laughs> yes. Yes. So they brought in a whole host. I ended up meeting one of their board advisors and they brought in a whole host of panelists from all different types of folks in the travel industry. And my company was very aspirational in terms of I was organizing very special events, very sentimental events for couples and for families. I was booking trips for them. I was, yeah, just creating very special occasion events and doing concierge entertainment event planning. Is this also doing the um, engagement? You had like an engagement service that you offered, right? Yes. For helping men plan that? Yeah, that was the romance concierge side of the business. I helped men plan their proposals. I think that's so cool. I love it. They need help. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would usually be behind the scenes handling the logistics. So they they did a lot of the, the work, but I was behind the scenes. 
but yes, the business evolved into working with busy professionals to create these great experiences around the world. And so I actually brought in on like Dancing with the Stars to do dancing lessons with some of the members of ARP. I brought in Top Chef to do cooking lessons, but they actually challenged me and they said, we really love your services but we really want the practical and the aspirational. So the practical things they were looking for were, we want our members to have a service, almost like a personal assistant service, where that you can pick up their prescription refills, mm-hmm. or you can get their car detailed, or you can pick up their groceries. So this is 40 million members. Now, 40 initially, right? 40 million members are not going to use the service overnight. It's like the gym membership, only a certain percentage right, uses it. But let's say 1% of them used it. That's 400,000 people. So I'm a company of one. This is very early on in my um, business career, my entrepreneur career. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm hit with this challenge and thinking, how could I find the resources to help me with this? So I ended up issuing an RFP to the largest concierge services in the world who handle like Visa and MasterCard, American Express. You know, you see the little concierge number on the back of the card. Um, There's companies behind those that they outsource to. And I found a company that had, I think, 300 errand runners on the ground. The cool thing about this was that the board loved the combination of this so much, the potentiality of it, that at the time they presented it to President Obama, who actually said, wow, we could even have or offer some of the retired professionals that are part of ARP as our members, we could offer to them if they had any interest in being errand runners themselves. Like imagine bringing flowers to your loved one, or there was endless services. And he really saw it as this huge economic stimulus because it would really go into all the different towns and and cities and it would drive service to local businesses as well as to the people who were using the services. So this RFP and I had these companies bid on this opportunity and they were amazing. I mean, they had the call center support, they had the errand runners, they had all the back end infrastructure stuff that I would have never been able to build myself from scratch. Right. And so I really just, I wanted to share that as an example, because if there's opportunities that come to some of your clients where they feel like we're too small or we're not ready for that, I would just encourage to think outside the box of, maybe there are other companies that you could partner with. So these these were actually all female CEOs, which was also kind of cool. And they offered me a price, right, of like a per transaction. Mm-hmm. I built it into the full business model, mm-hmm. presented that to AARP. We worked together for three years on the prototype. And we tested in a couple of rural areas just so we could really test. Like if you test in downtown New York, you're probably going to be really successful. (laughs) And accessible in Montana, in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) In the middle of nowhere. Exactly. I think in Georgia, it was a small town in Georgia, was one of the first tests. And in 2009, and we all know, you know, that year, unfortunately, like 2008, 2009, 
-hmm. Early 2009, a new chairman came on board and he halted the project and said, you know, I would really love to take a look at our existing member benefit programs and see how we could increase the utilization of those programs before we launch this personal assistant AARP concierge. It was like a white labeled, Mm -hmm. um, but it was my company play concierge behind it. Uh, before we launched this out. And he said, you know, I'd, I'd like to continue doing testing for another year. So I had dropped all of my clients. I had put all of my investment that every last drop pretty much that I had into this and was flying back and forth to DC. And two years of your life, right? Three and a half, I'd say three and a half years of my life. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So Changes like that happen. I would do it over again. Of course, there'd be some changes in in the midst of that, but it was just a factor. It was a factor of or an organizational change and what was going on in the economy at the time. And, but it was still a model that I kept using and then working with other clients like EO and YPO and some of those groups. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was a tough time. That was a tough time in the business. I will admit And I decided to take a sabbatical shortly after that, Mm -hmm. Uh, needed a break. And I thought it was really important to just take clear my mind, clear everything to figure out what the next move would be, (laughs) the next path since I invested my heart and soul into that. And a cool thing happened during the sabbatical, I experienced various cultures that lived very differently in community. Although I grew up on a farm. So I, growing up, I had the most amazing upbringing, growing up on a farm, always outdoors, and had a lot of responsibility on the farm as well, but always imagined it as this just beautiful um, outdoor experience with my four siblings. And I think there's, there's actually an epidemic also, like we're in a pandemic. But there's also an epidemic going on of, of isolation mm-hmm. and loneliness. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a statistic that 20% of millennials do not have friends. Mm. Mm. And so it's, and being in Silicon Valley, you know, when everyone lives in separate homes, I live now separately, my family, we all live in different places around the world, um, in Canada and California and all over we make it a point of seeing each other as often as we can. But during the sabbatical, I really noticed some of these cultures that still all lived with the same generations within one household and the way that they helped each other and they supported each other and that they were, I mean, it really takes a village, right. And that they were still living in this way and recognizing that our culture here in the United States had really gone far from that. And one, there was one group that really stuck out to me. And I thought, how can I bring this model back to Silicon Valley? (laughs) But it was the Maui's in Japan. And they're, they're in Okinawa. And they're a group of typically five women, because usually women live longer. Mm -hmm. It can be men as well. Mm -hmm. But I think it's almost like an arranged marriage. They were telling me how they, they would sometimes... Like, like these five women live together in community with each other? Yes, they lived in community with each other. However, when they were born, their parents actually assigned them these advisors at birth. So almost like think of an arranged marriage, only you'd have arranged advisors. 
and I, and I think about that and I go, gosh, like how beautiful is it that you would have these life advisors who were assigned to you at birth, who would be there for you no matter what happened in your life. And because like this example in, in Japan, when I met, um, I met this woman who they have a high concentration of centurions, you know, people who live to be over a hundred years old. This is one of the key ingredients to them living to longevity. And they actually detected this also in other parts of the world too, right? In in Costa Rica and in Greece and other areas where there were high concentration of these people lived to be a hundred. And the Maoists, as just the one example, as I'll share is, you know, this one woman, her husband had died when he was young, like I want to say 56 years old. And she ended up living until she was like 103 or something. And so I'm horrible with math sometimes. Like if that's over like 60 something, 60 more years of life and she had children, right? So imagine that much more of life. She didn't get remarried, but she had this group of five women who were there for her to help her with the parenting, help her with finances, help her through health situations with her kids. Um, I think National Geographic actually did an expose just on the Okinawans and the Maui's as well that describes some of this too. So just that whole philosophy was so fascinating to me. And think about the business world, right? There's so much accountability in the business world. Why would we not do that for our personal lives? Yeah. So that's when I guess the version 2.0 of my new company, which is called P Corp. Uh, which stands for Personal and Professional Corporation, was born. I didn't know that that's where this came from, is your sabbatical and experiencing other cultures and their definition of community. And because I I love what P Corp is, and and I'm so excited for you to share what it is, but how fascinating that you were able to observe that and experience that during that time. Things. Yeah. And, and I still would love to learn more from them. My husband and I visited the Ebon tribe in Borneo and, you know, they were right in the middle, middle of negotiations with the government on trying to just keep their, the sanctity of them being off the grid. And they lived, they were so happy, right? There was 80 families living in a longhouse and we got to live with them for a week, which doesn't sound long, but it was enough for us to, it was funny. The chief said, if you want to be part of our, if you want to learn about us, you just have to just jump into our daily activities. You get up at 5 a.m. and you help us plant the rice and you have to drink lots of our rice wine, which was <laughs> hard to keep up with. But it was really just such an eye opener and to how, how they live. And I know it's hard. We can't obviously just automatically go back to mm-hmm. that way of living, but how do we create something that would maybe work in our society? Bring so elements of that so, with you into what we are yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's how P Corp was born. And it's, yeah, it's lifestyle design services to really run your life like a successful business. So it takes a lot of the frameworks in the business world to apply it to your personal life. But I really believe in the integration and it just includes areas like health, which I know is so important in your group. That's your core competency, career, contribution, spirituality, adventure, parenting, relationships, all of those. But one of the core tenants was setting up a personal board of advisors. Mm-hmm. So we do that in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. Why don't we do that in our personal life and our professional life? 
so we can really reach our full potential. So it was kind of the my version of the Maui from Okinawa. Yeah, (laughs) I love it. Well, and I love that was one of the first things. I mean, when I first met you, you were starting P Corp and had started it, but you know, was was, you were sharing what it was and what it was all about. And I just remember being so fascinated by what a beautiful idea it is that we have never thought of in our personal life. Why, why wouldn't we want our own board of directors to help us navigate tough decisions through challenges, wins, all of it? Yeah. I think, I think when we were in Greece, you called it the dream team. I I loved that. (laughs) The the personal dream team. That's exactly what I call it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think also with to me, having a personal board of advisors is like, you, so you have an executive coach, you have mentors, you have therapists in your life. And this is like the quantum leap. This is the up level. And there is something so magical and so special when you have a group, let's say it's four or five or six, whatever feels right for you. This is, you can personalize this as much as feels in alignment for yourself. But imagine the alchemy of those people who are their counsel and advisors and they're there ultimately for your well-being. It's not, it's different than a mastermind as well, where a mastermind, you're all, it's it was amazing too, right? I've had amazing masterminds, but you're all there for each other where the board of advisors, if you set up for yourself, they are there for you. Now, naturally they end up coinciding and sharing stories and and building their own special relationships with each other, which is really cool. And on my board, several knew each other, but several didn't. Mm -hmm. And so that was fun to see what evolved there. And if you cannot write a script for how this stuff will end up going, but I think a personal board of advisors is one of the ultimate ways of outsourcing. And now you could do it many ways. My advisors graciously, they're very busy professionals Um, But they graciously offered to do this for me um, at no charge. Mm -hmm. Um, You could offer to pay them. I do have a model that I share with my clients on different ways that you can compensate your advisors if you so choose. But in this, in my case, I ended up really doing some deep reflection on. So I asked myself a few questions and this might be just fun for, for your guests to write down these questions. And, and whatever other ones, like I always love when people can share questions as well that they would come up with for how they selected their board. But one of the first questions I asked myself was, who shows up in such a beautiful conscious way in every single part of their life on a consistent basis? And that's from career to personal life, to their parenting. Every single one of my board members are conscious parents and they are the most amazing parents and I want to be a parent. And so I really look up to them in that way. And and so that was a big question. Mm -hmm. Another one for me was who's playing a bigger game than I am, right? Mm -hmm. So you you wanna be the little fish and really have advisors who are gonna challenge you and push you and you know, push you until you're uncomfortable or push your edge and not just be that echo chamber. Yep. Another cool question was, who would I trust as my executor of state? Ooh, that's powerful. And now if you were just to bring in a board of advisors for a special project or something, that question might not be relevant. But if you were bringing in advisors that you wanted to have for a full year in your life, or maybe 
consider for a lifetime. You can you can change it up. It's it's again, there's lots of flexibility. Right. Then that question would become more relevant. Right. Well, and what I thought was interesting, even with your first one, like who shows up in a beautiful, conscious way in every part of their life as a parent, you customized it to what your values were, what yeah. part of what you were trying to accomplish by bringing this board of directors into your life. And so your questions are customized to what you were looking to bring into your life. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I was launching, I was at the early stages of launching P Corp. And that was one of the big pieces of, um, of assistance that they were there for me, like every step of the way. So I love your point. I think it's really important. And so for your, your clients, it could be the launch of their business. You mm-hmm. could just set up a board just for that period of time. Yeah. And I just can't stress enough that the barrage and exchange of ideas, like when one sparks an idea and then the other feeds off of the other one um, is really cool. And I, I ended up hosting board a couple of board retreats yeah. where we went into nature, we were all together, phones were off and you know, I presented my plans around the P Corp launch and then some other things that were very alive in my life at that time. And so you could look at any category of your life. It's if it's health, right? And it's a big one in, in your group, the whole day of your board retreat could be spent on on health. And kind of how I would set it up is, you know, what are the three top goals that I have in health, in my health or well-being? Mm-hmm. What are my three top fears? Mm-hmm. And then what would be the three top solutions mm-hmm. out of that? And there's lots of details behind that, but just kind of give that as a. And so it's just the accountability and the synchronicities of them together. Um, I'll give you one story. I ended up going back into the corporate world. I took another sabbatical for a year. Of that. <laughs> I'm a big. So you prioritize yeah. that. And that's so important for people to hear. It is. It is. I think it's a non-negotiable. And I think companies are actually becoming a lot more flexible around um, sabbaticals now, too, because they're recognizing that, especially if you're intentional about it and you're going out there and you're experiencing the world, the skill sets that you establish from that and you bring back into the workplace can be phenomenal. Right. So. Well, and it's just not a one these do better work. So if there is an mm-hmm. opportunity for them to be flexible with you and it's going to light you up in a way that makes you fulfills you more than just sitting in an office, if you can be somewhere else and bring that joy and that experience in, you're a better employee for them. Yeah. Yeah, so I I was like, okay, where which company do I believe is innovative, would really challenge me, would blow my mind every day. I would be like, just really have an opportunity. I love learning. I will just be a lifelong learner. And where can I really learn? And also where can I really contribute? And so I've been in IT for many, many years. And going back into the corporate world, I thought, you know, Google would be an amazing place to land. And it's really difficult to get into Google. Only 2% of applications, I don't know what the number is, like they get 3 million a year or something. It's very challenging to get in and not just get in, but then to go through the interviews and get hired. Mm -hmm. And so I went to my board and I said, this is a deep desire of mine. Can you help? And so (laughs) they, they went to work. They slaughtered my resume completely. They did interview role playing with me. They helped me with 
job hunting. They helped me with referrals of people who they knew were at Google who could possibly at least at least get my resume in there. And then this was a really interesting thing that I think anyone could use is I actually put a, under my extracurricular activities, mm-hmm. I only put two things. And one of those things was that I have a, a personal board of advisors to help me reach my full potential in life. And I have to tell you that a lot of the folks at Google who were interviewing me beelined for that sentence. I bet. And they asked me about it. And it opened up this broader conversation that even then they started to share more vulnerable things and how would they use a board. And so I feel like it was quite a differentiator, even in the interview process itself. For sure. Um, Nobody else is putting that on their resume. (laughs) Like that probably really intrigued them and blew them away that that was something that they could learn from you. You know, here they are to interview you and they're, they're, like you said, beelining for that part going, tell us more about this. Yeah. Little did they know that my board was also helping me with, with negotiating a final contract for compensation, but right. <laughs> that's still, that still worked out. So I just share that as one example. They've helped me with m- many different health things and, uh, and there's many examples, but yeah. yeah and I guess maybe, you know, end on a story of, you know, last year was a very difficult year Uh, for many people. And I think of varying degrees, um, we're certainly, we have a lot of privilege being living in California and, you know, the group of course of community that we have been able to build. And so it's not lost on me and and all of us, the, the wide spectrum of experience that everyone went through, whether it's like some suffered and some thrive. And we got very lucky last year. We ended up getting a new camper van in December before the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And that was just totally by chance. I remember and that. <laughs> fun trips and did your thing in the van. And then what a beautiful way for that to allow you to experience last year in a very different way. Yeah, I think just one of the silver linings. Now, Google is planning to go back into the office, but for that time being, you know, one of the silver linings was being able to to work remotely. And they were just very accepting and very open to as long as you're productive, you can work from wherever. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the time I was living in the van and working on a large deal and it ended up actually being the largest deal of my career. And my board was there with me every step of the way. It's another way that you can use them. If you have like a super client, let's say one of your health clients, Mm -hmm. let's say they have a super client that they're trying to land. This is another way that possibly a board could help. And in my case, there were a ton of twists and turns. It was almost a two-year sell cycle, to be honest. (laughs) And they were just very graciously supporting me the the whole way. And they have crazy schedules themselves, but were were there by my side. So, and of course my assistant helped me every step of the way too. And was also very, I was able to be in the van and sometimes periodically be off the grid because she was also handling some operational things for me too. Mm -hmm. So I just, I just really wanted to share that 
it doesn't really matter what stage of the business that you're in. Mm-hmm. Outsourcing is always an option and there's just so many ways that it can be done. The thing that I, I just love is that you literally closed the biggest deal of your life while you were in a van doing it your way. Doing yes. your yeah, way. And I bet if somebody had told you a couple of years ago, when you close the biggest deal you've ever closed, you're going to be, you know, th- these are going to be the circumstances. And I think what the stories that you've shared, the way that they've lent themselves to understanding how that happened is you knew the power of outsourcing. You knew the power of support. That's why you were able to do what you did last year in the van closing the deal, because you had taught yourself how to rely on support. And I think that's one of the biggest things initially as an entrepreneur, like you said, we are the jack of all trades initially. And for whatever reason, budgeting or not knowing or understanding how to move into outsourcing, we do take it all on and we condition ourselves early on, uh, low wealth consciousness or out of habit that that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do it all. And I just love how, as we evolve as entrepreneurs, we start to see, we are actually holding ourselves back when we try to do it all. And it's not, like you said, something that changes overnight once we decide to hire. It's it's an evolution. It's an acclimation. And it's part of us understanding more about ourselves as well. Maybe you yeah. thought it was best for you to, you know, the example I always give is like, there's a reason the CEO doesn't take out the trash. There's a reason the CEO yeah. doesn't clean the toilets. It has nothing to do with it being below her. Not a job that's below her, but for the health of the business and for the health of everybody involved, for her to be able to pay the people that are supporting her in the business, she's got to make yes. the decisions for the business. And as business yes. owners, when we step into this role as CEO, we need to take that seriously. We can't devalue ourselves or our, be like, oh, well, I should do it because, or I should. No, you're now an entrepreneur. You're now a leader. And you've got to think like one and act like one and show up as one. And many times that means making a decision that might be out of, alignment with what your belief system was because your belief system was based on who you were. Yeah. Now who you are, yeah. you need to step into that completely and fully. And that means adopting new belief systems and understanding how important it is for you to know when and how to delegate. I love that. I love that. Yes, absolutely. And, and it's testing, right? I'm a huge believer in prototyping and testing and also taking leaps of faith where, where possible, because there's always a way to fall back on your friendships and your communities and, but to take a little bit of risk and see how it goes because the exponential growth that you can experience and, and actually even more important than that, the peace of mind, Mm -hmm. the peace of mind and the stress free moments that I've had because my my assistant let's say has helped me in the middle of the night with a PowerPoint that's due the next day that isn't finished yeah that is second to not like it's so invaluable yeah it's yeah. it's amazing and and you know as we said there's an acclimation to this like I now have support that I never understood how to cultivate and create when I first started but I had to learn my way through that and certainly the support and the mentorship that I've brought into my life from the people that I'm learning from has helped me learn more about team and how to rely on that support but I still notice where it's uncomfortable it's like oh I could just do this really quickly and get it done but ultimately, yeah. is that the best decision for me to make right now? And it's just really awesome to see where I feel so supported, but I had to allow that to happen. I had to get uncomfortable in areas where I didn't know how to delegate certain things, but I knew it needed to happen and I needed to step into that. And 
lean into that edge, lean into that feeling of discomfort so that I could get to where I am. Wow. What's been your favorite part of, so you have a VA now, right? I do. do I have a couple. I do. A couple. Okay. A couple. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny because the three year ago version of me would have been like, I can't do it. I can't, you know, and it's, it's that age old question. Okay. Can, can I afford to, well, can I afford not to? Can you afford not to? Yeah. And I think that first exercise around wealth consciousness is important. The other, one other way that I look at it as well is if you think about your business, this may sound like a big chunk of money, but let's say $10,000. If you can set that aside for the year for your business, for a VA, it's only $800 a month, a little over $800 a month. And with that, you can typically get a great VA for, I don't know, like 20 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And, and that can be enough, especially during the beginning stages, like more than enough, the beginning stages. And so if you think about it that way, like ten, if you proactively set that aside, mm-hmm. then I think the budgeting feels more palpable right. and easier to land. But I'm curious how you thought about budgeting. I think it's less about, I've I've been pretty conscious lately about using the word investing versus spending, because I think spending, what I've really come to learn recently, kind of implies that I'm not intentional about where I'm putting my money. And so investing it means a lot of things to me. It means I'm buying back my time to do the things that light me up the most. And like I said before, even from, you know, whether it's the corporate world or my own business, a happier employee does better work. And I am my own employee. So I need to take care of me and make sure is me, let's say hiring a housekeeper, going to free up my time to go walk my dog on the beach. Mm. And what does that bring into my life? What does that time and space for that 45 minute walk allow me to become when I'm not thinking of everything else on my to-do list and I'm just taking that break, that's my mini sabbatical in my day, right? Where yeah. if that's what gets me that opportunity to live life and do what's most important. Then yes. who do I become because of that? So investing my money in somebody else to do things for me that they do best. The other things yeah. I think you were going to ask this a minute ago, I, I'm just kind of reading into maybe the question you were going to ask is what's one of the again, I'm thinking this is what you're going to ask. What's one of the lessons I've learned or what's one of the things that for me working with support has been really amazing is understanding I'm paying somebody else to do something that they love doing and they do really well. And I'm supporting another, it's not always a woman, but it is a priority for me. Does it very important to me? I'm supporting another woman doing something that she loves doing and she does better than me or faster than me. And in that sense, we're all working together to make this world a better place because when we are allowing ourselves to receive Mm -hmm. compensation for what we do best and we're Mm -hmm. willing to delegate and honor where maybe that's not, I'm not going to sit down and and do techie stuff. It's just not my thing. Could I, if I tasked myself with it and like I had to do it? Yes. But that's not where where I'm going to show up the most powerful. So it's exciting to me to think that I'm supporting other women doing the things that they do best. No different than like my accountant. I love that he knows spreadsheets and numbers and tax laws, like the back of his hand. I want to know. Yes. I just, right. Don't. Yeah. Right. So me investing yeah. my money and my time and allowing him to do that gets me in an area where 
I can show up best for somebody else doing something that they may not do as well as I can. So I think it's amazing to think, wow, I'm supporting other women living their dreams, doing something that's meaningful for them. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, and going back to something we said earlier, I think one of the biggest things too, is I did do a lot of this stuff at the beginning, like we all have done. And I have a connection to the fact that I don't want to do that anymore because I didn't enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I wasn't good at it. Like setting up my website. I did that. I mean, it probably took me weeks (laughs) and a lot of YouTube videos and a lot of learning. And how many hours did that take me that I could have number one supported somebody else doing it because they do it really well. And what could I have done during that time? So having a connection to, you know, I like to, when I invest money. I like to bless it. I like to understand and honor what it's going towards. And I think having that connection of like, this isn't a job that I do well. And I'm so happy to be able to pay somebody else that does it well. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I'm really excited to see how your business continues to evolve and how you bring in more resources and, and scale at the same time. Right. So it's, it's that exponential growth. And I love what you said about also being in service to the others who are servicing you because that's the, the alchemy of the two, mm-hmm. you know, types of services together. And yeah. I love that. Not, yeah. I have to pay somebody to do my website. I get to pay somebody. To yeah. Do my website. Yeah. yeah. And, and in the investment distinction, it's great too. Yeah. Yeah. So all of this is wealth consciousness and understanding where we show up best in our lives and giving ourselves the ability to do more of that. And we all show up in the areas where we're best in our lives. Everybody wins. Yes. Yeah. Oh, this was so amazing. And just so you inspire me in so many ways, anything that I'm doing in my business, I'm sure in so many ways has been influenced by what I've watched you doing. And it's just amazing to have you here and Mm -hmm allow you to share with my audience what has gotten you to where you are. And you're just, it's awesome to me. And I'm so grateful that you are here. And knowing that people are going to be just so impressed by you and and your time, what you shared here tonight, where can they follow you or find out more about you? Yes, absolutely. So pcorps.com is pcorps with an S. And then anyone can send me an email. And the email address is Michelle with two L's at pcorps.com and, um, and, and we can communicate that way. Awesome. Wow. Thank you so much for being here tonight. This was amazing. I love everything you've done. And this idea is just so powerful and I've seen what it's done for you in your life. So thank you for sharing all thank of that. You. Thanks, Nicole. It was so fun to be here. Yeah, it was so fun to have you and everybody, please leave your favorite takeaways. Thoughts grow stronger when shared. Would love to hear what you've learned from our time here tonight. And thank you all again, Michelle. Thank you again. I really, really enjoyed tonight. My pleasure. All right. That is a wrap for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And by the way, if you like this subscribe, because there's more good stuff coming your way. Also, please leave a review. It would mean so, so much to me. And it would help others who are considering listening to this podcast to understand how amazing it is. And while you're at it, why not share with a friend? And by the way, one last thing, I would love to hear from you. I would love to connect with you. So you got a couple options. You can check me out on Instagram at Healthy Steps with Nicole. You can find me in my private Facebook group, Nicole Sales Superstars, or you can go to my website, healthystepswithnicole.com. I would love to hear from you and I can't wait.